electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Everybody, I'm Contessa Brewer in for Brian Sullivan tonight. The fall of an icon, the legendary investor seeing his company stock crater and his rival Bill Ackman just chimed in. Mayhem in Manhattan, what sparked a near melee in the Big Apple? The rise of robo-taxis, which city has agreed to let these driverless cars roam its streets? From the roads to the skies, how robotics are not only taking our jobs, but also creating new ones. Gambling from home. Did casinos just launch their brand new money machine? And before you book your trip, why it might be better to stay closer to home. We have those stories and so much more. Last call is up right now. Let's kick it into high gear tonight with that late day sell off that capped a volatile week on Wall Street. Take a look at the reversal in the Dow today. It was rallying earlier in the session and then lost steam and closed firmly in the red. One big reason here, Apple. It dipped below its $3 trillion market cap after plunging 5% today. That's the worst day it's had since September of last year. All of the major indices notched losses for the week. The Dow dipped below 1%. First negative week in four, the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq posted their worst week since March. But one of Wall Street's biggest bulls is not waving the white flag just yet. As we got into August, it's been a pretty rough four days so far. But I think the jobs number was was pretty decent. And then I'm, I, I am kind of optimistic that we're going to get a good CPI report next week. So that that's kind of a roadmap to seeing stocks do better next week. As Tom Lee mentioned, we got what economists are calling a Goldilocks July jobs report today. Rates fell sharply today. That wasn't enough to lift stocks. Big names like Apple starting to pull up lane. So could August scorch your portfolio? Let's bring in Veritas financial managing partner Greg Branch and Clio Capital Managing Director Sarah Kunst. Thank you both for joining me today. Sarah, what do you think was behind the stock decline today? You know, I don't think that it was really driven by bad news. I think that it was a lot of just locking in gains. You know, the news was not good enough to justify the massive gains we've seen this year on NASDAQ, you know, in a lot of these tech and AI adjacent names. And so I don't think it's shocking that people want to sort of lock them in while they're good and go enjoy their August. All right, Greg, when we're looking at the fact that you had rates falling today, which was what they wanted. As I mentioned, that Goldilocks jobs report and stocks are still falling. Should people just be bracing for a volatile, bumpy August? I think they should be bracing for the market to return to a retethering to fundamentals. And I think that we're seeing the beginnings of that. Uh, What we saw, I think, in June and July was one huge relief rally, relief that we didn't, uh, that we got a debt deal. Relief that we didn't see a further Silicon Valley bank. But when you start to look at the fundamentals of what's ahead, whether you're a bull or a bear, you must agree 
that in order to get further disinflation, there needs to be further demand destruction. And if this quarter is already putting up a negative 5%, that doesn't bode well for equities, that we need further demand destruction on top of an already beginning contraction. And therefore, you can't believe the 8% fourth quarter consensus number or the 245 consensus in 2024. And so as we begin to return to fundamentals, breadth will re-narrow and we'll see lower levels. You're also reading more into Apple's decline about the state of the consumer than maybe a lot of more bullish investors and portfolio managers are. Right, Greg? That's right. That's right. And so and I was admittedly probably too early on this. But I think at this point, none of us can deny we're starting to see the strains on the consumer, whether you look at credit debt, whether you look at any category of consumer loan where loss ratios are increasing. Uh, whether you look at the credit ad from last month that was expected to be 20 billion, which it had averaged the several months before, but only came in at 7 billion. And so Apple's more exposed to this than some of the other names that are more reliant on government spending or business spending, particularly with iPhone being half of the business. I don't think it was coincidental that they mentioned that uh, a lot of that 22 billion in R&D was for AI. They need to tether themselves and announce and articulate how they too have secular tailwinds that the Microsofts and NVIDIAs and Googles of the world are benefiting from. Sarah, so much of this rally was driven by those magnificent seven. If we start to see the mega caps like Apple pulling back and, and seeing some restraint in their consumer behavior and in their investor behavior as well, can the rally still continue even if it's a broader than what we've seen for the first part of the year? I don't think we're going to continue to see the same, you know, straight up and to the right rally that we have so far this year. But I don't think it needs to fall off a cliff either. I think, you know, a lot of these companies, they are doing interesting things. Names like Meta, you know, have started uh, pulling back out of the metaverse and, and into interesting areas, you know, like AI with, with Llama 2. And so, you know, I don't think that it's crazy to say that, yeah, if you're a good company with good sales numbers, you know, another name I've been excited about is, is Booking Holdings. They've had a tremendous year because people are still traveling. So the fundamentals for some of these companies are there. So I think it'll continue to go up, just not straight. We're going to get to that later in the show because they are traveling, but it's where they are traveling that really matters at this point. Uh, Greg, where are you seeing opportunity? If you think right now that the consumer's pulling back and the earnings just are not where they should be in order to uh, justify the optimism, where is their opportunity? I actually think, uh, Sarah, largely hit this on the head. What, what investors should be looking for and are going to increasingly look for are companies that have secular tailwinds companies that can put up double-digit earnings growth in a challenging macro environment, and companies that have some margin expansion. And she mentioned a few. Uh, cybersecurity is another, right? Um, we, our need for it and the payers for it uh, are in areas and have budgets that really can't be touched and that will increase. Select areas of healthcare uh, have demonstrated the ability to pass on any labor increases, have, have demonstrated the ability to maintain and expand margins. So those are the characteristics that you're going to be looking for. And I think you'll see breadth narrow around those specific opportunities. We saw so much uh, attention paid yesterday to bonds and then the yields pulling back today, Sarah. How are you viewing fixed income right now? You know, I, I think that that the the comments you know that we're seeing around the long term bond yield and and you know hey is the Fed actually going to drive it to two percent I think those are relevant questions and you know 
I think that the the reality is everybody got really excited about bonds because we got really scared of banks with all the bank collapses. And also there was very few areas elsewhere to get yield. Now that the stock market is, is you know, really, you know, churning again, I think that that bonds are not quite as sexy as they might have looked in April. And, and we're going to see people sort of, you know, move out of those and, and back into stocks more. You know what? This is a hot August night. Here we are on a Friday night. I appreciate both of you joining me today. Sarah Koontz, Greg Branch, have a great weekend. Good night, Sarah. Good night. Let's get to our studs and duds for the week. The biggest duds in the S&P 500 are Arista Networks, 18.9%. Global Payments up 12.6%. And Warner Brothers Discovery, look at that, 9.1%. The biggest duds? DXC Technology down 30%, Fortinet down 25.9%, and Generac off by almost 24% on the day. Up next, investing legend Carl Icahn making a startling admission, and now Phil Ackman is taunting him on social media. Unbelievable crowds in downtown Manhattan, police struggling to control how a popular Twitch streamer nearly caused a melee in the Big Apple. Plus, the rise of the robo-taxis. We take a look at the latest city to add these self-driving cabs to their roads. That leads us to wonder, would you hop into one of these robo-taxis? Do you trust the bot to make the decisions for you? Scan that QR code. Go to vote in our X slash, you know, Twitter poll. We'll reveal results shortly. More Last Call coming up. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com/music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Mayhem on the streets of downtown New York because of Twitch streamers. Now, Twitch is a popular online live video streaming platform where people can go and game. Thousands of people showed up in Union Square Park for a giveaway hosted by the hugely followed streamers Kai Sennett and Phantom. Now, Sennett is one of the most subscribed to streamers on the platform, according to Twitch Tracker, and he announced he would give away PlayStation 5 consoles at Union Square Park at 4 p.m., and then utter chaos. By 3.30, the area was completely overrun, so much so that subway trains bypassed the area and police were issuing warnings to steer clear of the park. Then after a couple hours, the NYPD reportedly had cleared out the crowd. We still don't know the full extent of 
what happened. But according to a police news conference that ended just a few minutes ago, Senat is in police custody. Officials declared the situation a unlawful assembly, their term, and the total number of arrests are still being tallied. Joining me now for more is the news editor at The Verge, Jay Peters. Hey, Jay, good to see you. Great to be here. Do you have any idea what was intended and where it went wrong? I mean, I think he just wanted to do a giveaway with his fans. He has millions of fans across many social media platforms. And I think it just spun, spiraled out of control really quickly. And there was too many people and they all wanted to see what was going on. I understand that giveaways are like kind of a regular thing for Senat and Phantom. So how might they have expected this to go? I mean, I expect that they thought there would be a decent sized crowd of people. I, I can't imagine that they thought it would get this out of control or there'd be this many people all at once. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll have to see if they try and do something like this again in the future. What's he known for? Like what, what made him famous? Uh, he's just a really entertaining streamer to watch. Uh, he, he, does things like big subathons where people try or he tries to break streaming records. Uh, he'll do uh, streams with lots of other people. He'll film YouTube videos in different places. He, he, he's just a very entertaining person. And I think his millions of followers were really excited at the chance to actually see him <laughs> in real life. Apparently, he's got a high concentration of followers in New York City. What do you make of the fact that he was taken into custody? And, and again, we don't really know why. We did see there was chopper video of it looked like maybe his car was being driven away and a crowd was trying to get around it. But but what do you make of that? I saw a video where it looked like police were lifting him out of the crowd environment. And, and so, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on. I have to imagine he was removed a lot for his safety just mm -hmm. because there were so many people who really just wanted to be able to see this person that they uh, that they love watching so much. And so we'll have to see how things develop. Yeah. OK, Jay Peters, thank you so much for joining me today. And we'll keep monitoring that situation. Oh, how the mighty have fallen and pivoted. Legendary investor Carl Icahn has really taken it on the chin in the markets. Shares of Icahn Enterprises plummeted today after the firm slashed its dividend in half to a dollar. And Icahn himself published a letter saying he's going to return to focusing on corporate activism, which was so profitable for him and his company. The firm has been under a lot of scrutiny, intense scrutiny really, since May because short seller Hindenburg Research claimed IEP, that's Icon's company, was overvalued and its dividend payout unsustainable. Well, year to date, IEP shares have declined more than 50%, and we told you about the dividend being cut. Icon's personal net worth has dropped more than $12 billion so far this year, a decline of more than 55%, according to Bloomberg. Pershing Square Capital Management founder Bill Ackman put out a tweet following the Icon news. He wrote... On Wall Street, if you want a friend, buy a dog, with a picture of a dog emoji. Joining me now, senior editor at Empire Financial Research and CNBC contributor Herb Greenberg. Okay, well, you might as well get to the Picture tweet closer. first. I guess, like, you would have to really be following the back and forth between Carl Icahn and Bill Ackman in order to get that. Right. That's exactly what, uh, what Icahn said to uh, Bill Ackman when they were doing a kind of brawl the famous brawl now heard around the world um, on uh, on the halftime report a few years ago after the Herbalife, uh, many years ago after the Herbalife uh, battle. Yeah, he said that to Bill Ackman, you know, if you want a friend, uh, get a dog. So as they say, karma is a bitch. 
Um, and so a, a female uh, dog that, in this that case. Yeah. Yeah. Is, <laughs> how much how much dog doo doo is Carl Icon in? You know, it, it's it's this is an interesting one because um, what I find interesting is there has been no lawsuit, and Hindenburg does. I mean, I think Hindenburg does good work. I haven't obviously done any work on this, so I can't opine on it. But I think that, you know, when someone typically comes out with a report like that, you sort of hear all this, you know, wrangling that there's going to be some sort of lawsuit. What I think is interesting is that in their press release today, what they did say is they said the Hindenburg report was misleading. Misleading is very different than being wrong. Yeah. And I think, and then he went on to say, and to blame it partially for the reason for their dividend cut. But, you know, they they, they blamed a variety of things for that, but they certainly you know, mention that as an issue. So how bad is it? I can say this, you know, Hindenburg came out on their own Twitter feed and said they continue to believe the dividend continues to be at risk. And there's also an interesting nugget in a Wall Street Journal story today. And one of the Hindenburg issues is that, you know, there's ultimately a return of capital mm -hmm. um, by, by, by Icon Enterprises and the journal said that they saw tax records, that they, they mentioned some tax, tax records, I couldn't find them, that at the $2 rate before this thing was cut, that $1.80 of it was a return of capital. So they sort of indicated that that's a nod to what Hindenburg was saying. So we'll see how it turns out. You know, Carl's a tough guy to fight, I would think. And I've been on the opposite. You know, I, was, I did an Herbalife documentary for CNBC. Um, so I've been on the other side of him. Uh, so I know what that's like, but I've also, you know, known him over the years. Uh, I would not want to be on the other side of him, but I, I wouldn't want to be the other, the other side of Nate Anderson either. I also think it's really telling, you know, the, the Hindenburg research aside that Carl Icahn wrote in this letter, our returns have been overwhelmed by our overwhelmingly bearish view. And he says, and this is my favorite colloquial term ever, I'd never heard this, we're just gonna stick to our knitting. Meaning, listen, I, I'm really good at being an activist investor. I've changed the trajectory of my own fortune and the fortune of the companies that I get involved with by doing this, and I'm gonna go back to what I know. What do you think that that means for the future for Icon Enterprises? Well, it means they probably won't be shorting many stocks, which is kind of ironic since this whole thing has to do with short selling and, and what have you. But I, I suspect he's basically saying what he does best um, is as an activist. And it's been the one consistent part about Carl going back to, my gosh, I don't know if it was before 2010 that I used to talk to him a lot. And and he was so you know genuine in his belief about being an activist. You know, you can't put that on as an act. And back then, before anyone was paying attention to him and he still had to build up his reputation, you know, that's all he said. So maybe he realizes that's one thing he does very well. You can look at the Illumina um, action and quasi-victory he had there, and you can say uh, there's some truth to that. But um, I think he's basically saying, no, shorting no mas. You know, speaking of short sellers, those who shorted Tupperware must be quaking in their boots. But here we're still seeing Tupperware with major moves. Shares of that company boosted today. It finalized the deal to restructure its debt and Tupperware has become the new favorite meme, I think, over the last couple of weeks. But part of that is, look, can I show you the one-month performance here? Let's show this. It's up 485% yeah. over the Okay, you warned us on this story. What's your take now? I think that one thing I said to you when this crazy activity was going on is I said, you know, there's a bunch of things going on here. But one of them, if, so, if there's some news event, could be illegal insider trading. So I have to think somewhere in here, 
given the timing of the stocks move and the timing of the announcement of the restructuring of their debt deal, uh, that they're, I would think the SEC is going to be taking a look at some of the action and some of the securities related to this. Look, I've gone through this and I've looked at this bankruptcy. I was talking to a friend today who's a credit analyst who knows this much better than I do. We were going through it line by line. Uh, and what's interesting is this is sort of a filing for bankruptcy without filing for bankruptcy. So they didn't file for bankruptcy, but there's an interesting twist to what Tupperware did is they gave the banks, the banks were led by Wells Fargo. And it's kind of interesting. This is an interesting deal, but Wells Fargo and the other banks got warrants. And this is the most important part of getting those warrants. They are exercisable. 60% of those warrants, which equal 5%, five, they got 5% of the stock in warrants, so they can make money on it. 60% of what they received is exercisable immediately. So the banks could have actually been selling into this, not saying they were. And because it's under 5%, 4.99% is the amount of the warrants the company got, the, uh, the banks got, they don't have to disclose it, all right, which well, is brilliant. What, like the headline here is that this is a story that is still not all sealed Here's the most important part of this story. This is still a speculative stock. This is a debt restructuring of a company whose business model is broken. You know, they're going to come out at some point. They could say, hey, we've got a clean slate here. Who knows what's going to happen? This is a speculative stock. It remains a speculative stock. Where it goes from here, it could go way up. It could go way down. They've got to perform. And at some point, they do have to report their financials. Herb, happy weekend. Thank you. Same to you, Contessa. Still ahead, robo-taxis taking over cities. We'll tell you the one place you will see driverless cabs roaming around and show you the exclusive video of the debut. But the real question we want to know, would you get in one? Here's time to vote in our poll. You can scan our QR code and we will reveal the results. Next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Where am I? You're in a Johnny cat. I mean, what am I doing here? No, that was that would be terrifying. That was a scene from the 1990s Sony Pictures film Total Recall. But it looks like we're really not too far from that becoming reality. Just this week, there have been two major developments in the robo-taxi space. Today, self-driving company Cruise, which is owned by GM, expanding its robo-taxi fleet to Los Angeles. It will be the company's eighth city of operation. And just yesterday, Waymo, an Alphabet subsidiary, announced it would expand its robo-taxi fleet to Austin, Texas. This is the company's fourth city of operation. So are these self-driving cars closer than we think? And the real question is, would you ride in one? Joining me now, widely followed Tesla investor Ross Gerber and CEO and president of Gerber Kawasaki and big technology founder and CNBC contributor Alex Kantrowitz. He got the Cruise L.A. scoop. It's good to see both of you today. All right. So first of all, I have to ask, when you have robo-taxis going to L.A., Alex, I would think like the rest of the cities are just going to fall in line. That seems like the big one to me. Absolutely. So the thing is with these cars, 
The toughest thing was to get them operational in one or two cities. We know that both companies have them operational in San Francisco. There's been movement in Austin, movement in Phoenix. Now the real question goes from being a technology issue to being a supply issue. How quickly can they make these cars? We have both in L.A. now. I think that we're going to end up seeing this stuff expand faster than the general public is, willing, is, is able to comprehend. And, you know, I was speaking with the CEO of Cruise. Tens of vehicles on the road last year, hundreds this year. They expect thousands next year, and they're going to 10x every year after that. This is going to be a fact of life in the U.S., very, very soon. Uh, you know, I saw uh, something that looked an awful lot like that in Las Vegas recently. I've been to Arizona and I've seen these cars that have been around in, in the greater Phoenix area. Ross, I mentioned the companies that are testing and, and where their testing cities are right now. But Tesla seems like the big one and the, and the one that has really been pushing this envelope. What does this mean that these other competitors are coming in and landing the cities that say, yes, you can test them here? Well, you know, what was just said by Alex is true. The cities like Austin and Phoenix, which are actually easy cities to actually drive, are going to be mastered a lot quicker than people expect. And and these companies can expand in these like secondary cities, I think, very rapidly compared to L.A. But I think it's really noteworthy to see crews coming into the jungle of L.A. roads where I've been training you know, Tesla full self-driving for probably over a year now in the real jungles of driving L.A. And so, you know, until you can drive L.A. traffic, 405, 101 in traffic, you know, you haven't really done anything yet. So, so I think there's this dual challenge between the technology being mass adopted, but also being able to master bigger cities and also continue to do it safely in scale, which is, I think, going to be more challenging than than people think. By the way, we polled our audience on Twitter, X. We're X. gonna start saying X all the time, but and we, I go, we have to go a bit further so that I make sure that everybody is with me and knows what I'm talking about. 60% of the people who responded said they would not get into a self-driving car. Is that a problem for these companies? What do you think, Alex? Well, yeah, I, I don't think so. And I'll, I'll admit, I was skeptical until I got into one for the first time last week. And I was nervous as we started moving through San Francisco. But by the second ride, I started to feel like this was a little bit normal. And the third ride, I wasn't even paying attention to the fact that the steering wheel was moving on its own. And there was absolutely nobody in the car except for me. And I wasn't driving. So I think this is going to be something people are going to have a little bit of hesitance to. It will break along generational lines. Also, younger people will be much more willing to get in than folks who, are, who haven't seen this technology you know, since they were born. And, and, but I do think that once people start to try it, and they will try it, that 60% number is, gonna, is going to decline dramatically because my picture of this, of this technology from where I was last week to where I am this week is completely different. I don't ever want to drive with a human driver again. I want to just be in these Waymo cruise vehicles and if we can do that, and when we can do that, it's going to be much better for the rest of this entire country. Interestingly, my executive producer told me before the hour began, not just not now, but never. He would never get in one. And I tried to make him put money on it, and, and he wouldn't do it. And it's on video, too, so I have proof. But, Ross, the other thing is, as these cars go out in these various cities, there's got to be a real cost associated with them, right? Because... Like, just for vandalism alone. I mean, we have the video that shows people messing around with these cars. So how do you get past that cost hurdle for the, the self-driving taxis? Well, I think, you know, first of all, 
forty percent of people saying they're going to get in a robo taxi is actually an amazingly good number. Oh. Right? You know, just to know, you know, you you would think it would be ninety five percent of people would be scared. You know, but actually a, a pretty decent amount of people are willing to do this right now. So I think that says something about where the technology already is and where it's going. But, you know, secondly, you know, somebody vandalizes a, a Tesla, for example, it's on video and the whole thing's recorded. And I can actually look at my Tesla live like a ring camera in real time. So, you know, being a vandal, vandalism is kind of going to be a thing of the past, I think. So, it, you know, it's easy to track people down. But that said, I think there's this cross between humans and technology that's always had this conflict as new technologies are adopted. And just like when seatbelts were mandatory, people were like, oh, I'm not wearing a seatbelt. And there was a lot of pushback. You know, soon, you know, we'll be pretty used to this kind of driving. All right, Ross, Alex, apparently, Alex, we have the video of you driving, but it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, oh, yes. It was wild. It's not really you driving. Again, it's the car driving. No, it's it's a robot driving. You being, you being driven. Okay. Well, there it is. It's cool. And kind of creepy. It looks like the beginning of some horror films that I've seen where the car takes you for a ride and you don't know where you're going. I digress. Gentlemen, thank you. Happy weekend. Thank you. Still ahead, from robo-taxis to robotics, Kate Rogers joins us for a live report. What do you have on robots, Kate? (laughs) Hey, Contessa, we've talked a lot about how robots could displace some workers in the years to come, but next up we're going to tell you about how robotics companies are creating new jobs in this economy. Welcome back to Last Call. You know, we just showed you how robots and AI can replace the jobs of drivers. Kate Rogers now has a look at how robotics could actually create new opportunities for humans. Zipline is using robotics to change the way we receive deliveries to make them faster and more environmentally friendly. The company is recruiting 100 workers in robotics roles, from electrical engineers to data logging to customer application. Its CEO says the technology enables a better paying, safer job in the future. Before, we were using a human to do one delivery at a time, driving a car one at a time to go and make deliveries. Now we're training that human to maintain and manage a fleet of robots so that human can now do 50 deliveries in an hour rather than five. And that enables us to pay that human a lot more. These are jobs that people actually really want. The Association for Advancing Automation says robots can help remove more menial tasks from some jobs to make workers more productive instead of replacing them altogether while keeping companies competitive. From a worker standpoint, it's another tool a tool to help you become more effective in the job you're currently doing, to make you better eligible to get the jobs of the future, which are often better, safer, and higher paying jobs. Vibu Labs is employing that tactic with the Autocado robot. It's teamed up with Chipotle on. The machine peels and preps avocados for Chipotle's guacamole, freeing up employees to focus elsewhere in the kitchen. Vibu says demand for its robots at restaurants is through the roof. When we take out take out jobs like cutting, coring, and peeling avocados, you know, one, it's a massive decrease in food waste. We save a significant amount of money in food waste. It's a decrease in labor, yes. Um, but but those workers are not being let go. Those workers are being reallocated to other parts of the parts of the, of the business. Contessa, a lot of these robots, of course, are solving for labor shortages, but some of the companies that are creative, creating them rather, are also staring down labor shortages of their own because there's such fierce competition for talent in this environment. Back over to you. 
So how does Zipline deliver? He mentioned that. How does that work? Yeah, sure. So I will do my best to explain. Uh, so this is the fuselage from their original Zip uh, drone. This is being used to deliver things like COVID-19 vaccines to hospitals, also e-commerce deliveries uh, for companies like Walmart. So essentially this is launched. All of the logistics are handled in-house by Zipline. A package is then dropped out, attached to a parachute. This then returns to its nest, Contessa. Oop. And then we're going to show you this one. This is the P2 next iteration uh, droid that they're going to be launching for companies like Sweetgreen. This will deliver salads. They said they can handle about a 10-mile uh, delivery in under 10 minutes and, most importantly, keep the cost equal to what it would be to have a salad delivered. That, you know, that, over to you. That, it's amazing. Also, it would have been amazing if you had just said, did I do that? <laughs> Kate? I didn't break anything no, yet, but it's all, the it's night all, is young. So. One, more, one more thing. We showed the video of the Autocado robot. Autocado. When, when are they going to start it so that the human doesn't have to mash the avocado? Like, that's the next big hurdle, right? <sighs> that could be next exactly, but that's something that's a little bit easier for workers to do, right? But if you think about something like the Autocado, that is freeing up workers to focus on other things in the kitchen that are more desirable tasks. Chipotle's also been testing out Chippy, a chip-making robot. There oh. are companies that are using Flippy for wings and burgers. Again, so you don't have to stand over a fryer, which can be very hot, very dangerous for sure. workers. So they're freeing them up to do other things in the kitchen that make the job more desirable and also helps companies like a Chipotle or a Buffalo Wild Wings that are using hang on to those workers in this, once again, very Kate, tight environment. Kate, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Time now for our Quicker Than the Ticker, all the news that mattered in the world of business and one very fun job opening. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. A record-breaking fine for an illegal robo-collar scheme. The FCC fined scammers $300 million for the fake auto warranty calls. It's the largest robo-calling operation the agency says it's ever investigated. Google offering a new perk for employees going into the office in Mountain View, California. Hotel discounts. The company said full-time employees can book a room for 99 bucks a night to help them transition back to hybrid work. The Colorado River is disappearing. 10 trillion gallons of water have been lost due to climate change between 2000 and 2021, according to a recent study. The Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand is heating up and so is attendance. According to FIFA, there's a 29% increase compared to the last World Cup. Barbie could be a billionaire. The new movie just passed $900 million globally at the box office and is on track to hit a billion in the coming days. And Mattel's looking for a Chief Uno player at $277 an hour. I'm out of time? I'd like that job. Coming up, Americans are heading abroad, but where are the best flight deals to get to your dream European vacation? We'll be right back. get to the last call watch list. First up, Con Ed. Shares for the utility fell just a little more than 1% today, finishing up what's already been a rough week for the company. Con Ed has closed in the red for the past eight straight sessions as rising rates just have punished utilities. Shares have lost 8% during that stretch. Next up, Warner Brothers Discovery. Shares for this company spiked a little more than 8% today after Morgan Stanley reiterated its price target with the move, the stock is actually higher than where it was July 14th when the actor strike started. 
And finally, crude oil. Oil prices have hit their highest close since mid-April on further concern of tightening supply as Saudi Arabia plans to extend its oil output cut into September and potentially even longer. We'll keep an eye on that, of course. Hey, it looks like American travelers and their pent-up demand have just about had their fill of our own sea to shining sea, at least when it comes to vacations. Goodbye, America. Hello, Europe. The average international flight now costs more than $900. It's up 26% from pre-pandemic prices. And here's the good news. With people packing international flights, domestic flights are getting a little cheaper. A round-trip flight goes for $249 on average. That's down 12% from 2019. That should help inform any last-minute travel plans you might be trying to make this August. Joining me now for more travel uh, is the travel industry editor from The Points Guide, Becky Blaine. Becky, good to see you. Thank you for being here on Last Call. Thanks for having me. Uh, with this rush to Europe and prices going up there, have we seen commensurate price hikes in hotels and prices coming down a bit on hotels domestically? So hotel prices in Europe are averaging around $148 a night, which is up 14% year over year. Now, domestically, the prices have only risen 6%. So we're definitely seeing that Europe is getting the benefit of that economic boost with everyone wanting to head over there for the summertime. And you showed the airfare prices as well. So domestic carriers are starting to slash airfare prices in an attempt to keep people here in the United States. And in fact, I saw that uh, some of the airlines are seeing that they have slashed their full year profit forecasts right now, like JetBlue and Alaska have cut their full year profit forecasts. Uh, JetBlue cut its profit outlook between five and 40 cents a share. Why is it? Is it because they were trying to ramp up that they put more routes, more planes, more crews into service to try to get all of our pent up demand a place to be expressed? I think they've definitely seen the trend was that pent up demand where they needed to fill and bring back a lot of the flights that had been canceled during the pandemic. We still aren't back to what the full capacity in routes would be in the United States. And then they started to see the rush of everyone, you know, finally wanting to leave the states and go to Europe and other places abroad now that everything's opened back up again and are quick trying to pivot and move planes. And we just saw this week you know, um, some of the carriers are counting on Cancun and they're moving some of their routes and adding more routes and more planes to Cancun for the fall and the winter time. Becky, it's great to see you. Thank you for joining me on this Friday. Thanks for having me. With all the focus on consumer spending and where they're pulling back, you might be surprised to learn some major companies are now ditching the very perks they gave to attract and keep customers. CNBC's retail reporter Melissa Repko has the details for us. They're pulling them back, huh? Yes, from airport lounge access to birthday treats, it's not as easy to get free perks anymore. American Airlines, Delta, and United have made it harder to earn elite status. Retailers, including Nordstrom Rack, have tacked on return fees for some online orders. And at companies like Sephora, free birthday gifts now have strings attached. Just this week, Macy's announced that customers must pay about $10 to ship back a return unless they belong to the department store's loyalty program. Even Amazon is charging some shoppers a dollar if they drop off returns at UPS instead of an Amazon-related store like Whole Foods. The changes show companies are rethinking their strategy, especially as people spend less on goods and more on services.
airlines and retailers have traded positions after the pandemic. As travel booms again, Delta's faced overcrowded airport lounges and responded by raising entry requirements. Retailers, on the other hand, are seeing slower sales of discretionary goods and are focused on improving margins. Along with return fees, some have shortened the time shoppers have to make a return. But of course, the changes come with risks, Contessa. If companies anger customers, they could lose them. Well, I can see, though, how if you have a less crowded airport lounge, it's better for those who are paying the most money for first-class seats or whatever. But, But the thing that I don't get is if you can no longer get your free birthday gift set from Sephora in the mail, that that might drive away customers. I mean, are they doing this because it saves them money? It's going to be uh, accretive to the to the overall profits? Or are they doing it because it's a hassle and they just think their money is better spent elsewhere? It's a little bit of a combination. For both airlines and for retailers, they're really focused on going after the customers that count, the customers that are bigger spenders, more frequent customers, rather than throwing money at customers that are frankly just going to make a drive-by purchase, come in for that birthday gift, and never come by again. And so with Sephora, for example, they're trying to bring you into the store. So you can get that free birthday gift without any strings attached, without a minimum, if you come to the store, and hopefully you'll also buy a lipstick. Got it. But if you're gonna get it shipped to you, they're gonna make you pay. Melissa, thank you. Coming up, in what could be a cash cow for casinos, one is bringing together online players and table players into this very novel experience, at least here in the United States. Stay with us. Well, a bunch of casino companies reported earnings this week, and amid the fanfare over sports betting, online casino games are beginning to grab a share of the spotlight. MGM and DraftKings both declared themselves the leader in that arena, though it depends on how you slice and dice it. And one offering in iGaming, as it's called, got mentioned, both on Caesars Call and DraftKings Calls. It's called Live Dealer. It's a person actually dealing the cards or spinning the wheel, and then players watching and betting online. It's huge in Europe, but regulators here have been slow to approve it. Tonight, Dual Play Roulette is up and running in Atlantic City at the Borgata. Players can place their wagers in person or online at MGM's Borgata app, and the dealer spins for everybody. James Bruno is the VP of Casino Operations for the Borgata, joins me now live from the table. Jimmy, great to see you. What's the response been like when people walk into the the bricks and mortar, the traditional casino, and see a table that is going live? The response, Contessa, is overwhelming. Okay, so, so they come in, they say, what's going on? How do you explain it to them? So Evolution Dual Play Roulette functions as every other game, the like game on our casino floor. The spinning of the ball, the bets on the layout. The difference is this game behind me is live streamed to BetMGM and Borgata Online Casino using state-of-the-art technology live streaming the game. Our online players betting in real time alongside players physically sitting with us here now on the table. Same table, same ball, same winning number. Our online players will see the live stream displayed on the screens behind me uh, on the monitors, and there'll be a layout mimicking the table numbers, which allows the players to place their wagers. Okay, and so when you have people joining online, the people sitting at the tables and the dealer dealing this out, 
Are you concerned at all as the guy in charge of the casino operations that being able to play on your phone might actually cannibalize your business? Like, what's the point of going to the casino anymore? Not at all. This is the new age of gaming that we're embarking on, leveraging the, tech, uh, the technology and the dynamics, which provides an immersive experience for that online play. So meeting players in the comfort of their own home, increasing access to dual play gaming. This is a great example of how MGM online and land-based casinos are leveraging technology to bring out players a better omni-channel experience. I just want to let our viewers know it's very unusual to have an interview like this from the gaming floor. This is this is really an incredible opportunity to see this. The other incredible opportunity in iGaming, some estimates are that it could be seven times the size of uh, sports betting. But right now, there's only about six states where it's legal. What do you anticipate is the trajectory, Jimmy? The trajectory is hard to quantify. This is in the beginning stages. Uh, it's something that we're going to have to look at and, and really dig into the data over time to understand it. Well, it's a lot of fun. That This one's in Atlantic City. There are other companies, as I said, you know, Caesars and DraftKings, they were talking about live dealer today. This is going to be one of the trends to watch as uh, gambling expands. Jimmy, great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. I like to play the outside. I play the red and the black and maybe the thirds. So when I come down there, just fair warning. We'll do, Congressman. Great to have you. Do you know what happened 40 years ago this weekend? You only know if you're old enough to remember 40 years ago this weekend. One of the biggest movie stars in the world got his big break thanks to the debut of this movie. Who can forget the iconic scene from Risky Business? Where's the music? All of a sudden the music went away. One of the most popular movies of the 80s, it featured a 20-year-old Tom Cruise who played a Chicago teen just getting into trouble when his parents go out of town. Well, since then, of course, Cruz has become one of the most bankable actors in Hollywood. Look at this number. Are you ready? In total, his movies have raked in more than $10 billion at the global box office. And we saw, you know, the latest one, Mission Impossible coming back and uh, the Maverick, amazing. Would you like to know who else is a big star? Amazon. Boy, they really wowed the crowd on the earnings today. That's your last call for tonight. Brian comes back on Monday. Boy, these are big shoes to fill. Shark Tank is next. Have a great weekend, everybody. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.